Chapter Seven of the Friendly Terrace Quartet, or Peggy Raymond at the Poplars by Harriet Lemmis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven, Peggy sets a ball rolling. The very best part of being young is the possibility of enjoying oneself under the most adverse circumstances. The girls at the Poplars knew that a terrible war was raging, and that in all probability grief and heartache were in store for some of them they were doing harder work than they had ever done in their lives and at the same time were living without many of the comforts to which they were accustomed but instead of being despondent or even grimly determined they were for the most part as frolicsome as kittens peggy whose rhyming facility had stood her in good stead on a number of occasions prepared a little surprise for one of the impromptu concerts which were such enjoyable features of their scant leisure the day she selected chanced to be the most sultry of the season, so far, and the girls had come home warm and wilted and had recourse to the shower-baths, which were one of the few luxuries permitted in their rather spartan existence. Their appetites for dinner had not been quite up to the mark, and perhaps they were a shade quieter than usual when at the conclusion of the meal they betook themselves to the broad porch, which promised as much coolness as could be found anywhere. "'Oh, dear!' Amy, who had brought out a khaki-colored sweater, nearly finished, looked down at it with an expression of loathing. "'Can you imagine anybody ever wearing such a thing and calling it comfortable? I don't mind knitting in the middle of winter, but in summer it seems such a waste of energy.' "'But you know it's going to be cold again,' remonstrated Maud Elting, a girl of such literal mind that she lived in a state of continual bewilderment over other people's vagaries. "'Perhaps it will,' replied Amy, her tone implying doubt but I can't be sure of it when the thermometer is ninety-eight in the shade. Oh, what's going to happen now? Four girls had arisen and grouped themselves in an angle of the porch, where they could easily be seen. The leader, humming softly, gave the key, and then the four voices blended in the strains of a popular air, wedded to words which, as the listeners at once realized, were both new and possessed of a personal application. Oh, the days are long and dreary, and the sun is hot and high, and we often get so weary that it seems as if we'd die but we keep right on a-working not a one will sham or lag not a soul will dream of shirking when we're fighting for our flag a joyful shout went up instantly the tired faces were all smiles and the prolonged applause indicated that no matter how hard the girls had worked that sultry day they had plenty of energy left so persistent was the applause indeed that the leader of the quartet remonstrated say listen are you clapping because you like it or because you don't want to hear the rest oh is there more we didn't know go ahead and the laughing audience composed itself to listen now our brothers are in training and their work is ours to do without whining or complaining we will put the contract through hunger's armies will be routed dawn will follow darkest night who of us has feared or doubted that we're fighting for the right an author of more reputation than Peggy would have been gratified at the reception accorded her modest effort, for when Myra Collins, the leader of the quartet, remarked briefly, "'You can clap along as long as you like now, for that's all,' the girls were quick to take advantage of her permission. And when there was a general demand for an encore, Peggy's pleased blush would have betrayed her if anyone had happened to be looking her way. "'I think those words are as clever as they can be,' cried Marion Keith, whose approval Peggy especially valued because of her admiration for the girl herself. Did you write them, Myra? Heavens me, no. It was Peggy Raymond. Half a dozen voices repeated the name. 
Marion turned with a smile that deepened the pink in Peggy's cheeks, and Maud Elting exclaimed in a tone betraying how deeply she was impressed, "'I didn't know you wrote poetry, Peggy.' "'I don't,' laughed Peggy. "'But I do write a good many jingles. Any of you can do it, after you get the knack.' "'I think that's just as good as some of the war songs that are published,' exclaimed another admirer. Remembering the doggerel to which a mistaken patriotism had given birth, Peggy accepted this compliment without protest, and then turned inquiringly toward a group of girls who had put their heads together and were whispering and giggling over some mysterious undertaking. "'Don't mind us,' cried one of them, for more eyes than Peggy's were turning in their direction. "'We'll let you know as soon as we are ready, but we don't mean that Peggy Raymond shall carry off all the laurels.' "'I believe they're composing a song,' exclaimed Priscilla. "'Poems written while you wait.' "'I know I shall love it,' said Amy. "'I always thought the muffins they bake in the windows of restaurants would taste better for being made right under your eyes.' "'Get a pencil, somebody!' cried Laura Kendall, evidently the leading spirit in the cooperative song. "'I think we've almost finished.' Pencil and paper were forthcoming, and in a surprisingly short time the proud authors were ready to render their song, "'Hot from the griddle,' as Amy remarked admiringly. We've been working in the cornfields all the live day long. We've been working in the cornfields as the hours slipped away. Don't you hear the alarm a-ringing so early in the morn? Don't you hear the farmers singing, Come out and thin my corn? When the applause and laughter called out by this masterpiece had died down, Amy announced that two automobiles were stopping in the road. It makes me feel like going out and passing the hat, she said. It isn't fair that they should have this beautiful concert for nothing. Peggy looked up, her eyes bright with reminiscence. Wouldn't it be fun to give an entertainment and make some money for the Red Cross, the way we did for Lucy Haynes that summer? Who was Lucy Haynes? somebody asked, and Peggy told the story of the ambitious girl who had come so near losing heart, and how the quartet from Friendly Terrace, with a little outside aid, had given her the start she needed. We made over forty dollars by that entertainment, Peggy ended, and for a moment the faces of the listening girls were only a blur, and she saw instead Lucy's wet eyes looking up at her, with a smile of happy gratitude shining through the tears. Forty dollars, repeated Marion Keith, thoughtfully. I wonder if we can make as much. More, Peggy declared. In the first place, we could charge more for admission, because the people around here are used to paying bigger prices, and then everybody is interested in the farmerettes, and would be willing to pay for a nearer view of the critters. The trouble is, she added cheerily, checking herself, as she realized that her enthusiasm was in danger of running away with her, that we're all too busy to try anything like that. But the idea so casually suggested had caught the girl's fancy. "'I tell you what would take like the measles,' exclaimed Laura Kendall. "'Make it a musical comedy, based on the experiences of a lot of farmerettes. Why, we'd coin money.' "'That's great, Laura,' Marion Keith declared. "'We wouldn't compose the music, of course. Just take any old air we wanted, and write the words to fit.' Peggy here could do two or three a day and stick tomatoes at the same time. Peggy, you talk as if Peggy was the only one who could write songs. I want you to know I'm quite a little poet myself, protested Laura with an air of mock injury. If we could have it outdoors at some big country place, exclaimed another, it would draw like anything. People would come out from the city, you know. Since she had set this ball rolling, Peggy essayed to stop it, not realizing the momentum it had gained in a very few minutes. "'But girls,' she remonstrated, "'if you've ever done anything of this sort, "'you know what a lot of work it takes, "'and we're working already just about the limit.' "'They say a change of work is a rest, you know,' "'Alice Cameron reminded her. "'We could practice in the evenings,' urged Marian. 
and on rainy days we're bound to have some rainy days soon peggy it doesn't seem to me it would be such hard work exclaimed priscilla of course the libretto or whatever you call it has to be written but the audience won't see the words they'll just hear them and it won't matter if the meter is rather limpy yes cried myra collins and a good share of the work connected with such things is getting the costumes ready and we'll go in the togs we've made hay in the dirtier and shabbier we look the better with a thrill of joy peggy realized that the current was too strong for her she had protested as in duty bound but all the time she had been arguing against her inclination all right she cried buoyantly i'm ready if the rest of you are but if you get sick of it don't say i didn't warn you the girls lost no time before the nine o'clock gong sounded its warning note everything had been settled mary and keith chosen chairman of the impromptu meeting had appointed peggy to prepare a libretto with liberty to select her assistants priscilla was named leader of the orchestra an honor which like many another carried a rather heavy responsibility with it to alice cameron was assigned the duty of finding a suitable place for giving the entertainment and advertising it as its excellence deserved miss chairman said an eager voice there's a country place near here called beechwood that would be just ideal for such a thing the grounds run back to a hill that makes a natural amphitheatre miss cameron will be glad of the suggestion i'm sure the presiding officer replied with dignity and peggy who had started nervously bit her lips to keep back a laugh she was very sure that since alice had the matter in charge the entertainment would be given anywhere but at beechwood who said it had to be a warm day someone laughed when the brazen notes of the gong brought about adjournment and indeed nothing in the manner of the girls as they swarmed indoors indicated that the day had been hard and that the night was still hot peggy contrasting their animated chatter with the rather lifeless way they had drifted out upon the porch after dinner decided that the scheme for which she was responsible was less crazy than it seemed after all was there a better way of rising above one's discomforts than having something better to think about i knew it would be this way said a voice in her ear and peggy turning saw mag whipple her usual air of superiority more pronounced than ever you knew i don't quite understand they're so sick of farming now that they jump at this sort of thing whoever heard of farmers mixing up work and play that way perhaps if they mixed it a little oftener suggested peggy more young folks would stay on the farms mag ignored the suggestion and the next thing you know they'll be quitting finding some excuse to go back home that's the kind they are peggy did not reply partly because she realized the uselessness of arguing with mag and partly because she was thinking of something else the task that had been assigned her had caught her fancy and already ideas were crowding into her head she talked them over with priscilla as they hastily made ready for bed for loitering over one's toilet at either end of the day was frowned upon at the poplars i'm going to have one of my characters one of the silly frivolous sort you know who gives up pink teas for the festive pitchfork i'll have her introduce herself like this peggy began humming as she shook down her hair i'm a butterfly of fashion i am the season's reigning bell or perhaps i'd better say i used to be but the change i have experienced i have no need to tell for you can see you all can see priscilla regarded her in amazement why peggy when did you have time to think that up oh out on the porch it's just a start of course but you see what the idea is and then i'm going to have somebody who's awfully interested in suffrage and is so pleased at wearing overalls and doing men's work i'll write a song for her that begins i've got my rights at last or something like that i'll tell you a good character peg exclaimed priscilla as if her friend's inventiveness had stimulated her own 
have a college girl and make her use the longest words you can find in the dictionary of course college girls aren't a bit like that but people think they are and it'll make them laugh yes and we'll have her wear her cap and gown along with her overalls peggy agreed joyously and then scrambled for bed as the signal sounded for lights out but going to bed did not necessarily mean going to sleep every creative worker sooner or later encounters the temptation to do night work peggy's brain was swarming with ideas and she had an unreasonable feeling that if she turned a deaf ear to them now they might refuse to present themselves when wanted she began to piece together the fragments of a plot which had occurred to her making them into a connected story she noticed with surprise that the longer she stayed in bed the more wide awake she felt her flesh was feverishly hot and a pulse in her temple throbbed disconcertingly peggy finally arranged the plot to her satisfaction and began mentally to assign the various roles to the girls who seemed adapted to them the farmer puzzled her she wanted somebody big and imposing somebody on the order of mag whipple though of course mag couldn't act peggy wondered if it would do to incorporate some of mag's expressions into the farmer's speeches on the whole she thought it would be safer not the crowing of a cock his challenge instantly answered by a rival as brazen of voice gave peggy an uncomfortable half-minute could it be anywhere near morning then she decided that some feathered alarm clock had gone off at the wrong hour and turned back to the farmer's opening song she remembered that she wanted a rhyme for fuss peggy raymond came a plaintive whisper from the next cot are you sick or what does ail you you've tossed and turned this livelong night and i haven't shut my eyes oh priscilla i'm sorry peggy whispered back and then she took herself in hand and did what she should have done several hours earlier sternly she turned away from these clamorous children of her brain and began on the multiplication table somewhere up among the nineties she lost herself but even then to dream that they were giving the entertainment and young mr fitzmorris rose and made a scene because the word slacker occurred in one of the songs it was a very tired headachy and stupid peggy who heeded the summons of the rising gong next morning and she decided that while genius may take advantage of midnight inspiration ordinary people with work to claim their attention will do better for a good night's sleep end of chapter seven